In this episode of Charged Up Conversations, our CFO and co-founder, Alicia, hosts Lisa Marks, owner and executive producer of Brand Alive. Lisa has been a certified event professional for over 15 years, and her body of work encompasses a unique combination of both brand-side enterprise experiences and agency work. Lisa is a highly technical producer, a dynamic creative, and an engaging leader. She is constantly building up and advocating for the live event industry. She has been an important part of our story, and we are grateful to know her and work with her. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Charged Up Conversations. Uh, If you don't know or you haven't heard, this year's theme for International Women's Day is Break the Bias. So uh, the discussion here that we're going to have it will revolve around that concept but to get us started and to have some fun I'm gonna rapid fire some questions to Lisa so here we go don't disappoint me cookies or donuts cookies good favorite color black really that's an inside joke if you look on if you know Lisa at all or look on her social you'll see that there's a presence of black and she looks amazing in it all the time a night owl or early bird early bird 100 percent. amazing good answer beach or mountain vacation mm, this is a tough one mountain vacation yeah see i feel like i appreciate the mountains so much when i'm there but because we're here and because it's cold and i don't i don't do the winter sports i just really want a beach vacation right now totally fair there's something very comforting about the mountains and the coldness mm-hmm. and it being in our backyard true true um dog person or cat person old lady rescue dogs good <laughs> Rainy day or snowy day? Mm, rainy day. Oh, we're like twins. Okay, good. <laughs> well, this conversation should go well just based on those couple of questions. Uh, so lately on our team anyway, we've been talking about how women are often characterized as being too emotional to lead. Um, that seems to be a common um, theme out there. Um Some people have that idea still. Some people have moved past it. But that bias really directly contrasts with a quote that we pulled directly from your website, which is emotionally engaged people are 10 times more connected. So uh, bearing that in mind, I wanted to ask your perspective on a few things. First of all, what is one huge or maybe your top three biases that you think that we need to break in the immediate future? Yeah, thanks for the conversation around this. It's so, um, it's timely and it's interesting and it's uh, also exciting, I think, to break it open. I'll say, I believe that what I would like us as a society to challenge ourselves and challenge each other by saying, what is it about emotion that we see as being a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Where did too emotional the narrative come from? And why have we decided as a society that that is not useful? So I'd love for us all to not only an International Women's Day or International Women's Month, but as a transformation of how we do business, Mm -hmm. I'd love for us to debunk that. So where do you think it came from then? Generational... uh, old thinking i don't mean old in age i mean old in uh era Mm -hmm. um 
likely out of a lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a time not too long ago when female leaders were rare. Most organizations were led by or predominantly um, predominantly male. Mm-hmm. And so it's highly likely that as women entered the workforce, which was a slow and steady surgeons in I mean there was definitely you know integration of women in the workforce in the 90s but women rising to leadership positions like big decision-making roles was certainly the 2000s and beyond Um, you know prior to that there was likely just a lack of understanding of the value that women bring to the table Mm -hmm. just as much as our male counterparts Mm -hmm. um and so you know there starts the narrative and then no one questions the narrative Mm -hmm. so there's just this idea out there and i believe we're turning tides but there is absolutely a narrative out there as you you know this is why we're having this conversation that women are too emotional and therefore negatively impacts their work in leadership roles and so i'd like to ask where why do we why do we think that and why is being emotional a bad thing i wonder if back in the way back in the day um when it was harder for our species to meet our immediate physical needs if emotions and emotional outbursts held the group back the collective back because they took time they took attention and effort away from you know we've got to address these immediate physical needs for our survival and so therefore they were considered bad I I wonder if it stems from that because and then I mean if if it was considered bad when you saw kind of the modern workplace um, begin to become more cohesive with the the industrial revolution emotions that we that were positive were were more easily accepted by men so like the chest bumping and the congratulations on successes and all the positive emotions were very much associated with men and what men do um and the negative emotions the being quote-unquote hysterical the showing vulnerability crying um angry outbursts were seen those were negative emotions they were seen more in women who were more willing to show them so they were I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I wonder if that's kind of where it came from. So as we industrialized, as we modernized, um, women's emotions were seen as bad, whereas men's emotions were seen as as good. Something worth uh, or as um, characteristics worth celebrating, right, yes. or, or promoting in, yeah. in the organization. So, yeah, I mean, you hit on a couple of great points there. Number one, absolutely, we all came from caveman and cavewoman days. Yeah. And so our heritage and our our... our our beginnings as a humankind certainly live with us and some of us to more more extents than others so you know i would also be curious around back in the cave person days mm-hmm. it was as you say it was about survival right and it was less about emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and so it was highly likely that if you were the male counterpart in the family it especially the the patriarch of the family, it was your job to create safety and survival and ensure that everyone, that Mm -hmm. the family had food, Mm -hmm. shelter, and your basic needs covered. And so I would imagine inside of that, there's very little space for navigating one's emotions Mm -hmm. or showing one's emotions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then we start seeing that, or we start, we, we observe obviously that cave women took care of the family inside of the cave and that mm-hmm. was the role and that of course that's evolved into modern society but 
inside of that, there's likely more appetite for a the woman of the household or woman of the cave <laughs> to express or be around emotion because they're supporting the family, right? So mm-hmm. the gender... Um, the, the role that emotion played inside of those two binary genders mm-hmm. are very black and white and, and opposed to each other, right? Yeah, very then opposed. Fast, in- then we fast forward to corporate America or corporate mm-hmm. the corporate world. And in the 90s, I'm assuming it was, or I would imagine it was one fits the, one gets us results and one gets us, you know, uh, one stalls our growth. Mm-hmm. And then that narrative just, carried forward and we're now at a place where I'm so excited we are actively work debunking and actually showing stats and proof that Mm -hmm. that's no longer relevant to us. I was going to to take it back to the caveman days. If you think about um, these bursts of emotions that would be permissible because they weren't distracting from survival would be, okay, so caveman goes out, brings down a buffalo or mammoth and comes back and everybody congratulates him so we can show that emotion there's time to show that emotion because the immediate needs of the group have been met mm-hmm. but if he comes back empty-handed and his cave woman calls him out on that uh it wouldn't be helpful mm-hmm. to highlight the fact that everybody was going to bed hungry mm-hmm. so then that would be maybe repressed i don't know how they actually operate in their groups but uh if you're an anthropologist you can call Ta- into the show send and us comment a note, let yeah. us know how wrong we are no, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. and then we fast forward to even 50s, 60s or the mm-hmm. household. I was, I was, you know, a child of the 80s and mm-hmm. so raised in the 80s and 90s. And it was more acceptable to be a young woman or a young girl that went along with the herd and mm-hmm. was less vocal about needs outside of what the herd needed and mm-hmm. herd being my family. Um, you know, it wasn't, I was empowered from a young age to follow my dreams. I certainly was raised in a great environment that way, but there's absolutely a traditional understanding that the the good kid goes along regardless of if your needs are outside of that, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I think there is a inherently baked in trait in women that that where that is a louder voice in our heads than mm-hmm. perhaps our male friends. Yeah, it's girls are taught to be quiet. Quiet is polite and polite is good and small is good. I mean, even our, now we're just getting way off topic, but even in our body shapes, right? To be good, you have to be small. You have to be quiet and Mm -hmm. don't make a lot of noise and put your needs last. So I think that's all in conjunction with keeping your emotions quiet as well and not, which now fast forward to now I think we're seeing that if you do take the time to to address the non-necessary needs of the group maybe in your business um and you address the emotional needs of the room and the people in the organization taking that time and setting it aside actually kind of propels growth forward um whereas before it's like you just you could grow at a steady pace but you can actually kind of put some fuel on the fire of growth if you take the time to address that and I think women seem to have and this maybe will lead into the next question seem to have and and maybe you can you disagree with this but seem to be able to communicate their emotions a bit better um, more open to feeling and talking about their emotions um, and you know is does that correlate with with growth so yeah I'll just kind of go on to the next question so in a Forbes article 
um, Joel will probably link it in the show notes. There's a few statistics that I think are really important to to know and that other people uh, or that people who are listening understand it that. Um, and I'll read the stats here. Um, private tech companies that are led by women are more capital efficient. Um, they achieve 30%, 35% higher return on investment when they're venture backed and 12% higher revenue than startups who are run by men. Women founded company in uh, first round capitals portfolio uh, uh, outperformed companies founded by men by 63%. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, what's another one? A uh, study of over 350 startups, uh, Mass Challenge and BCG, determined that businesses founded by women deliver higher revenue, uh, more than two times as much per dollar invested than those founded by men. So that makes women-owned businesses a better investment for financial backers. And another very specific for women of color, uh, Latinx women-owned businesses saw more than 87% growth between uh, 2007 and 2012, according to Project Diane. So those are kind of crazy, crazy numbers. And I wanted to ask you, based on those stats and what we know to be true, because the numbers don't lie, what do you attribute the advantage that female founders and co-founders seem to have over their male counterparts? Is it emotional intelligence? Are we good at cash management? Are we just really super good at math? What do you think it is? <laughs> um... Before I answer this, I will say there are thousands of incredible organizations and businesses led by men that are still male founded, Mm -hmm. um, majority, you know, led by men. They're successful. They're, you know, I'm not here to say put a woman in 90% of leadership seats and we'll see a change to the world. However, um, you know, to one, to, to double click on a previous point I made to, to help answer the question if we change the narrative from women are too emotional to lead to those to to women are advanced in their emotional intelligence and that has a powerful role in business then i think we've got an exciting conversation to have mm-hmm. and so um there's actually as I, I think i said before or perhaps when we were chatting earlier there's actually no data to support that women are more emotionally intelligent than men. Men and women, I, and I believe there's actually data that sh- that says men and women are both equally as emotionally intelligent as each other. Hmm. However, women, based on everything we've just talked about, if you flip the coin, mm-hmm. women have been enabled to explore their emotions. And now bringing oh. that into a leadership capacity actually has huge advantages. And when we're looking at, you know, the modern world of diversity, equity, and inclusion, DE, the DE&I conversation is its own beast of a conversation. Mm-hmm. If organizations aren't on board with the idea of collaboration, which is one of the key cornerstones of emotional intelligence, the mm-hmm. ability to collaborate, the ability mm-hmm. to hear opinions, the ability to facilitate conversation without too much ego taking over and, mm-hmm. and needing to be the right the right answer and be the last, the last and loudest voice. So for example, an a um a characteristic of emotional intelligence is collaboration and if women are leading the charge of modern organizations and a modern organization has to get themselves involved in the DEI the DEI space and explore it in terms of advancing their own organization if you're not going to do that you're going to be completely left behind mm-hmm. um and so you know 
that's that's a great example of you if you have women in leadership roles in organizations that need to transform and keep up with the modern times those conversations will be far more successful um there is absolute we all know an enormous amount of men that are highly collaborative and mm-hmm. that can get the job done while everyone at the table feels like their voice is heard their opinion has been expressed and considered um but if we're talking about the difference between male leaders and female leaders, n- not assigning good or bad to either, there's a high likelihood that women have have a better understanding of their own emotional intelligence and can bring mm-hmm. that to the table in a leadership role. So And probably tease it out of the men. So if we equally have um, the same capacity for emotionally, emotional intelligence, having a woman in a leadership role that says, no, with this organization, it's okay to talk about that, to have feelings, to have a personal and private life that does impact your work and we're going to help you through that as and be a partner in your life not just somebody who is asking you to put the hours in for a paycheck mm-hmm. I, maybe that's the fuel is that the men in that organization can go oh, okay I can actually talk about these things learn from other people be myself be vulnerable be all these things and that's what's fueling the growth because you're getting the both out of the traditional two genders that are that we're talking about in this context. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've both sort of orbited around the point, and let's make it really clear, emotional intelligence is a highly respected and sought after trait in a employee and in a leader, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we the narrative of women are too emotional is actually completely outdated Mm -hmm. because modern organizations are looking for individuals that are emotionally intelligent that can navigate tricky and complex conversations debunking and a 50 year old organization's approach to diversity equity and inclusion which by the way probably didn't exist before two years ago true is a is an incredibly complex conversation to be a part of and to try to navigate without well with highly likely the high likelihood of misstepping and also being yeah. able to manage the missteps because yeah, so, yeah. it can be very tricky um to have an emotionally intelligent leader at the table male or female should be and likely is celebrated and so therefore mm-hmm. back to my original point which i think you agree with is let's actually celebrate those who are emotionally involved uh, emotionally evolved mm-hmm. and reframe it as emotional intelligence as versus mm-hmm. emotional because i think the headline of women cry too much in the boardroom. I'm not even sure that there's any data that supports that. And maybe that's what the old narrative means around women are too emotional to lead. I would imagine if there was a class of species that was crying in the boardroom every day and couldn't get work done and couldn't lead, yeah, that would probably be problematic. Yeah, right. But I don't, I haven't, I don't know if there's data out there that supports that women are doing that and it's holding organizations back. In fact, it's probably the opposite. Well, I do, when I was preparing for this conversation, I was, um, and thinking about what exactly we should be talking about. I found this other, um, blog post that talked about how women's emotions, how they're interpreted as a whole. So there's the, you're too emotional to lead, but then there's also when you arrive at work and you're ready to get shit done, you're too cold. So women are bound and they're kind of damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. So if you don't show up as a delicate flower, you're cold and you're insensitive and you're too ambitious and you're all of these things. So really you, you can be overly emotional. You're, you're done. You'll be non-emotional enough. You're also done. So, I mean, how, how does one even approach that? I mean, just by in their nature, nature, women are 
you know, we're not cookie cutters. So some people are naturally more emotive and some people just don't feel comfortable showing their emotions. So like, what is one to do? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I had an incredible leader when I was at the, the corporation I worked at for a long time, who is in a very, in, in, in one of the seven most senior roles of the organization. And she's also the only female in, mm. in, in those seven seats and has been with the organization for God, it's probably close to 30 years, 20 years now, 25 years, something like that. And, you know, she, and she'll, she talks about this very openly and we've had many discussions about it for a long time. She was classified as exactly as you've described it. Hard, hard to get to know, a hard, tough nut to crack, really, really tough on teams, pushes her teams really hard, <laughs> is, a, is a direct and bold leader and I think was framed as, well, isn't that odd from, like, from, a, from the, the woman that's helping to lead the company? Um, and so, yeah, I do believe that there's, we're coming out of, we're still very much in, but I believe we're coming out of a generation where having characteristics that are bold, I'm, I'm not going to say characteristics, they're more like men, but I think mm -hmm. that's what kind of we're orbiting around here, showing those kinds of characteristics in leadership roles was a detriment. I think we're coming out of that now and seeing it as, well, that's actually going to get us results. Mm -hmm. Now, the, tr the trick is the ability to balance, the ability to be an effective and bold leader mm -hmm. and also ensure your team feels like they're a human at the table of an organization that cares about them. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that the, the ability to do that, to lead with boldness and also a softness that's, that comes with a, the human side of running a business that being able to successfully uh, walk that to line. successfully walk that line mm -hmm. is emotional intelligence. So here's a question then. Do you think men even think about this? Do you think they even or do you think they show up, they do their work, they go home? I think so in the nineties. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean I, think I in feel the like 90s, we have to think about it a lot as women. You have to be like, am I too cold? Am I not? Am I being aloof? Am I being bold and is it going to be interpreted as bossy yeah and that's i mean there's so much baked into so many women <laughs> around and a lot of it's generational the way we were raised was mm -hmm. to be quiet and to go along with the group and don't take up too much space and you know what i mean so uh, i i think that the next generation of leaders will change that mm -hmm. that there's less you know, over time, there's less worry inherently in each female that we know is, you know, that I think that'll shift. Mm -hmm. um, do I think men think about it? I think in the 90s, they didn't. I think in the 80s, they didn't. I think they understand, I would imagine, you know, I'm the daughter of a very successful, now retired corporate executive. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, I have no doubt he was thinking about, my dad was thinking about his team and how to lead them effectively. Do I think that that someone like my dad from my dad's generation who was an executive in the 80s, 90s, 90s and 2000s, do I think that he was coached on emotional intelligence in leadership and um, work-life balance and how to support that in your team? No, I highly doubt that that was mm -hmm. part of the co the narrative of, you know, what he was, what his training was as a leader. Um, but again, that's a sign of the times. Now, I think, absolutely, I think modern and, and modern organizations that are, either in the process of transforming or have transformed into like their ver their their today version of themselves all leaders male and female or otherwise are being coached to lead with their heads and their hearts 
But to, do you think when they arrive at work, they have to consider the ramifications of being too bold or too emotional? Yeah. When you when you say arrive, do you mean daily or do you yeah. mean like, like into the world up, of working? Yeah, just when they go to work. If I say something during this meeting, am I going to be considered bossy or emotional? Because I think that question pops up in my mind frequently. Not in my own team because I work with great men. But um, yeah, when I'm when I'm in a room of people I'm not familiar with, I am conscious of what I'm saying and how it's going to be interpreted because I don't have the right to just show up and say whatever I want to say. I have to think about how it's going to be yeah. perceived. I mean, there's so two parts, two answers, two answer parts to that question. Number mm-hmm. one is, sure, I, m- males were gen- generally and generation, generationally speaking, men were raised with a bit of a different narrative than than women. Mm-hmm. Women were taught, young women were taught to, the quieter you are, the more, you know, go along with the herd, the, the better it will be for everybody. And so just that's got to be the way it is. And boys were taught to be louder, more triumphant. And it was okay that they would, they, they would behave in those ways, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's with us, I think, from our ancient days and also the mm-hmm. way we were raised. And do I think that the next generation and the generation after that's going to change that? Absolutely. Now, I have witnessed in many boardrooms, both in the organization I worked in for a long time and client boardrooms, that the only way to advance in an organization to get into a leadership role, whether that's vice president or to go from VP to senior VP or to go from senior vice president to executive vice president is to be emotionally aware Mm -hmm. and emotionally intelligent. And so maybe we're not classifying it as, okay, that, that EVP of marketing who is likely eyeing up the CMO role, maybe that person, whether maybe if that person's a male, maybe they're not thinking every day about like the emotional state of their team Mm -hmm. but you can you guarantee daily hourly and by the minute in meetings and in conversations with their leaders in the organization they're thinking about what they say and how they're perceived Mm -hmm. and how that could shoot them that could shoot themselves in the foot and who to who in the organization is up and coming and how to foster them and mentor them and bring them up and that's seen as a great attribute so yeah, absolutely. Male and female, I believe, and I've seen it, great leaders are entirely emotionally aware, not only of their own emotions, but also the emotions of others. Well, that's a good change in the right direction, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, okay, so let's, we've talked about a lot of corporate stuff, uh, corporate settings, for example. Yeah. Um, in our examples, do you think that the biases that we have, that women have, the cold, too emotional, et cetera, the other ones, however many there are, do you think that those biases differ from industry to industry? Um, I mean, and work setting to work setting. I would imagine somebody that's very, that's in marketing up to their, their neck. To me, emotional vulnerability and creativity go hand in hand. You're like, you're not going to be a super creative person if you can't think and feel at the same time. Whereas in finance... Uh, I think of that as being a more uh, colder, analytical, like emotions aren't really required. Um, Or, you know, in a corporate setting versus a, um, you know, solopreneur setup where it's you and maybe a couple of teammates and and getting shit done wherever you want to, wherever you want to work. Do you think the biases that we face differ? Um, Yes. And <laughs> I think the larger the organization you're in, the more complex it is. That goes mm-hmm. without saying. And so male, female, binary, non-binary, 
the larger the organization you work in, the more um, complex of a roadmap and an ecosphere you have to navigate. And mm-hmm. so um, there's likely more biases floating around in there because there's more opinions, there's more um, diverse leadership styles to navigate. Sure. So yeah, I think I think larger environments are just more complex by the nature of their size. Um, and I would say also, I would imagine, my guess would be that it would be uh, more challenging to change the narrative or uh, shift the biases away from being biased um, in an industry that is predominantly male-led mm-hmm. or is male-dominated um, versus female-dominated. So yeah, I think it would be a lot harder to navigate that and to help shift um, a perception or mentality around, for example, female leaders in an industry that is predominantly male. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, we had a, you and I had a great conversation ten minutes ago about the finance, the venture capital industry specifically, right. and how for the first time in probably a decade we're seeing the rise of female-owned, led, and founded venture capital firms, like around, well, certainly around North America, and I would imagine it's also taking over in Europe. Um, I also venture a guess that those firms have male and female mentors. Mm -hmm. They have male and female um, contributors. Uh, Any great leader knows that it takes balance to move an organization forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So back to your original question, Yes, absolutely. I think there's a range of um, biases based on the size of the organization you work in and the industry, whether it's pre- it's historically predominantly male or predominantly female. Um, geographically, I'm sure it's impacted and generally generationally. Mm-hmm. You know, where we know that baby boomers are for the most part largely retired now, if not fully retired. Um, senior level, like senior in age, Gen Xers are about to retire, if not already retired. Um, Senior millennials are starting to enter some of those super influential decision-making roles in large organizations, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. That's where we're going to think we're going to see a huge change. Yeah. And what's really interesting about generations is, you know, the baby boomers liked work, uh, young baby boomers liked work, like or liked working with millennials because it feels familial, Mm -hmm. you know, it to the baby boomer, the millennial reminds them of their children. And right. so there's a de- there was always a desire there for young baby boomers to sort of mentor and bring up high-achieving millennials, which is amazing because as we see more millennials enter roles, whether it's in a, in a small business as a founder or in a large corporation as a senior director or a vice president, that is where I think we're going to start to see a shift and a change in bias biases and likely see you know, that narrative go away and celebrate diverse ranges of emotional aptitude, emotional intelligence, and put that on the list of things that an organization is seeking in an employee as versus worried about it. And I'm just looking for another, it reminded me what you were saying of um, of another stat, and I'm not doing good at reading and talking at the same time. But anyway, it talked about how women-led businesses they themselves are not are grow faster, but the number of number of them being founded in the first place is growing. So mm-hmm. women are feeling empowered, either feeling empowered to make the the leap to own their own businesses, or they're feeling like I could wait, work my way up the ladder to affect change in a meaningful way, 
or I can just start from the, the bottom, just start my own thing. I'm the CEO. I set the tone. I set the values and I set the agenda and I remove myself from the situation that could be toxic or inhibiting, emotionally inhibiting and just do my own thing. I wonder if we're seeing a lot more businesses being founded by women because they're not willing to wait. Yeah, it's so interesting right now. You know, we're in a state of, uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch this, um, the uh, mass exit of employees leaving organizations to either go follow their dreams, start their own businesses. You know, there was a stat that in that first year of COVID, I think it was calendar 2020, might've been calendar 2021, can't remember, but in 12 months, like right inside of COVID, there's a stat by a U.S. journal that says there was 100,000 times more new business applications taken out in the U.S. than in 2019, like than in all of 2019. Wow. That is an enormous and staggering <laughs> amount of new businesses and also so exciting. So this mass exit from the workplace, uh, or sorry, from... Um, from being an employee to being an owner mm-hmm. is a very exciting time to watch. And it's going to be, it, it, which, you know, a friend of mine recently told me that what that means is it's a buyer's market. And by buyer's market, we mean it's an employee's market to, to go out and choose the job or the role that they want. True. And that means that organizations have to be competitive. And mm-hmm. in order to be competitive in this modern age, you have to, you, you have to lead with your head and your heart as an organization. And what yeah. I mean by that is an organization that is doing good work in their community, an organization that fosters an employee's, the, the reality that an employee is a whole human and that there's uh, the, the need for customization of the employee experience, that diversity, equity, and inclusion matter to employees when they're choosing their next job. It's not a footnote. Um, You know, Lululemon has put it front and center with an entire department called IDEA. And Hmm. there's a, like, it's a senior vice president level that leads that. And they implemented that in the first, like, nine months of, like, following Black Lives Matter, which is when the DEI Hmm. conversation kind of rose to the top. So, listen, like, if organizations aren't out there being competitive with how they're attracting top talent, they're going to get left behind. And so it'll be very interesting to watch this, um, the next probably five years of what happens both in corporate world and also like the changing landscape of founders. Like it'll just say number one value. We, we are not sexist. We're not sexist. Just put it out on the front. We, we value emotional intelligence, whether yeah. you're male, female, or non-binary. Yeah. Come join us if you have emotional intelligence. See, this is why you're the brander. That's what I would say. <laughs> and then you just made it beautiful. You made it really clear, though. Yeah, Yours right? is very clear. <laughs> no sexism. Um, so, okay. So this wasn't on our list. So I'm going to totally put you on the spot. Yeah. And if Joel wants to cut it out, he can. Have you faced explicitly bias in your career that you remember, like an experience that really stuck with you? And... Mm, Okay, so yeah. I um, I was so fortunate to land in a role in an organization and have the ability to show my value just by doing my work and being who I am and be celebrated for that. I'm so lucky to have had that experience. I know I also did the work to earn it. Um, do I think that as a woman on the team that I was on, same level of leadership as three, as two other males. So my my equals on my team, two other males. 
Do I think that the roadmap for me to advance in the organization was as clear as theirs? I don't think so. Mm. Do I, th- I don't believe though that that's entirely because I'm a woman. Mm. I believe the role that I played in the organization and my understanding of the operational and business side of our very complex organization was probably very different than theirs. Um, and all of that goes together to sort of create someone's, um, uh, to create the um, roadmap for their, their movement up the chain in the organization. Um, but I was celebrated for the things that I brought to the table and not held back. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, I see I've, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in that I, I too am also living into the, some of the characteristics that exist inside of me based on the way that I was raised then also causes burnout. Like I'm the helper, Mm. I'm the doer. Mm -hmm. I can lead, I can build strategy and I can also do, which is what makes me an unstoppable business person. It also makes me really tired. And so (laughs) there are other people around the table, both male and female that lead projects in in a different way and perhaps they're actually way better protecting their energy than I am Mm. so will that one day catch up to me and hold me back probably Mm -hmm. so that's where I have my work to do um very recently I fought the good fight on a on a financial related but also policy related issue with a venue on behalf of a client Um, And I fought in the way that, because I believed that I was right and Mm -hmm. the others were wrong and I knew knew what I wanted and we went for it. I had the support of both male and female teammates, um, you know, to kind of help help me navigate that. Then I heard down the road that there was a comment around, well, it's, well, obviously you, you and you, you know, helped Lisa fight this battle and created issues for us. And the you, you and you they were pointing at were, men in Mm. my industry um you know i think that that's what they were pointing out was that Mm -hmm. well there's no way that lisa as a as a female did this it's it's not likely that it was just her i'm sure that there were seeds planted in her head by you you and you Hmm. now i might have made that up in terms of how i interpreted what i had heard was said um these are just little examples of the ways that perhaps women are viewed in business um Mm -hmm. Are, are boldly incorrect um but uh, but i don't i don't have i don't have a history speckled with being held back because of my gender i think if i had stayed in the large corporation i was working for longer i would have discovered some interesting things around how to advance in that organization but i don't know that it was because i was a woman i think it was likely because the other two counterparts that i worked very closely with who happened to be male were had just positioned themselves I guess better if you're thinking about going forward or not going forward, had positioned themselves better to take leadership, uh, the next step up leadership position than me. So, right. so it's not a very exciting answer because I don't have stories like that uh, around being held back because of uh, because I'm a woman or being being um, you know ha- having bias held against me. But I certainly have a lot of stories of um, watching women lead in a certain way and perhaps that holding them back too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you co-lead with a male. I do, I do. And something that we find that, um, <laughs> and, and maybe because we're married, I'm not sure, but um, sometimes when you're a leader and you're tired, you just want whatever needs resolving resolved with the least amount of energy 
expended possible. Sure. And oftentimes that means, Joel, can you just help me with this? So there was an, an accounts receivable issue years ago that got to the lawyer's level and it was a significant amount. And I was my client. I had been dealing with them and I thought, you know what, if Joel steps in and puts his foot down, this will probably be resolved. And we talked about it and we, we just decided that, that that's not how, that's not what we're going to do. So with Joel's support, just saying, and just being firm with, you know, this is the amount agreed upon the amount owed for months, 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 that, um, I was going to continue to be persistent and be the point of contact with the lawyers all the way down till the resolution um, because it was going to set a really not good precedent if my husband stepped in to do to fix it yep and we had to I was like oh I just I want this dealt with yep you know it was just and that is a totally fair human thing to need yeah we only have so much energy yeah I just wanted male and female yeah and non-binary we all only have so Mm -hmm. much energy and I felt very upset that that was my jump to be like can you just help with this can you just do this for me but Mm -hmm. I was also very upset with the the world as a whole that it would have I know it would have been resolved faster if he would have done it yeah so I was annoyed on all different levels but one one thing that really bothers me is a if as a female leader is I've learned over the years to just say no with no follow-up with no apology just no and it bothers me a lot and I think this is the bias that I find is that when I have a firm no it's not an invitation for somebody to pursue and it often that boundary of just a no with a period at the end is trampled on very often Mm-hmm. And that drives me up the wall. So um, it, that that's a bias that I have that that if a woman says no, period, that you're allowed to come back with another and another one and another one when the answer was just no. And I feel that uh, if it was a man that were to say a firm no, that would be respected. Okay, I'm done. I yeah. back off. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like we, um, as as young women, I think we're taught to keep the peace, right? And so when we say no, and we understand in our own minds that that's going to cause some discomfort for whoever we're saying no to, whether it's around the boardroom table, or we're we're throwing out a piece of feedback or a counter idea that is counter to another person's idea at the table, for example, um, then there's challenge, right? That's Mm -hmm. where you get into some disagreements. And, but again, diverse comp, uh, diverse ideas at the table is where transformation happens. Mm-hmm. And so the concept of throwing out a challenge to someone's idea is actually where we make progress. And if we as humans could all do the work within ourselves to understand that if someone else is uncomfortable with something that you said, that's okay. And in fact, in business, sometimes that needs to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. If we could do the work within ourselves as individuals, whether you're male or female, to heal that and to be comfortable with discomfort in the room, we would all be better off. And that, now I'm getting into like the coaching landscape, but <laughs> that's, you know, there may be more work or less work to do inside of ourselves if you're male or female. Um, you know, there's a, obviously all a range, but the to, to do away with the idea that challenging each other's ideas is a bad thing, mm-hmm. I think would serve organizations well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, agreed. I think that's a good place to wrap up too. That's like the perfect thought to end it on. Thank you so much for sharing, for coming out in the snow and the cold. I appreciate that so much. And yeah. Thanks for including me. You're welcome. Happy International Women's Day. Yeah, break the bias. (laughs) Celebrate emotional intelligence. Yeah. (laughs) 